everybody, this is John and Nick. Uh, it's uh, getting near the end of July, and um, we're still on, uh, well, I guess it's vacation. I don't exactly like that term, but there's a lot of terms. Yes, road trip to not go home, because um, we don't have a home. It's something we were talking about this morning. Um, Nick and I were trying to do a Zoom call with some friends of ours from the support group um, that we do online called Rachel's Gift. And we haven't been on the last couple weeks of groups because we've been traveling and the internet service and Wi-Fi at the campgrounds and all that stuff has been very challenging. Um, at, at one hand, it's really, really, really nice to be disconnected. But so I was telling the group this morning is for me anyways, when you, when you run a business and then, and, and we have, we have four kids at home in, in Tucson. And so not being connected is, can be very mentally draining too. It's like, I don't necessarily want to be connected, but like I need to be so that if I can need to be reached or I want to reach, then I can. It's been very challenging to try to keep up with work and make sure that money's coming in and money's going out and parts show up and parts go out. And, and my guys have done a, by all accounts, have done a wonderful job. Um, they all need a raise. Um, but they've done a, they've done a wonderful job keeping things, keeping things going and, um, keeping the lights on for us. But this, this stuff of being connected and not being connected is really, really, really tricky. And it's, we kind of, um, you know, kind of came to a little bit of a conclusion this morning that, is this Playhouse? Kind of came to a little bit of a conclusion this morning that part of what our struggle is, is that Nick and I feel Homeless. Uh, Tucson. Which in some ways is good. It's it, kind of freeing to not feel tethered to one singular place. But but yeah, T Tucson hasn't felt like home probably ever. We've we've made it home. This home is where the kids are. But Nick was saying this morning is we're. We're only 80%. We're never, we're never all together. So there's not home. And then Michigan used to be home. And the longer we're gone, the, the less things that look like home are there. And honestly, that's good. Where we're from needed to change. Um, and it's changing for the better, not for the worse, thank God. But, but superficially, it, we don't know. Yeah, there's still a lot of underlying ugly, but but it's but like I used to look forward to going home to see my friends and family, and I still do, and I love seeing my friends and family. But I'd rather see you somewhere else. I don't even know where else, just not there, because I don't have any connection anymore. And I used to like going back to campus. Campus 
parts of campus look the same, the center of campus looks the same, but all of the outskirts of campus isn't the same anymore. The my, my campus, my Michigan State, the, the center part of campus, the buildings look the same, but the stadium's different, the basketball's different, hockey's different. Everywhere that I spent so much time when I was going to school and then working there, it's just all different and nothing feels home anymore. I, and I'd even take it a step further that our, our family of friends, our family that we're biologically related to, that are there, there's not many of them left. And we have been embraced by them. We have been welcomed by them. But it's always a, a sentiment of welcome home and that place is not home. So for us, it's trying to figure out what is this place to us now? What do you feel when you go here when before it had so many negative connotations? It had so many negative connections that it, for me, it wasn't home for a long time. That's a whole other story. Now, it's not neutral. It's familiar, but not known. I don't know how to explain this. It's not a welcoming place. I don't feel embraced by that place, even though we feel welcomed and embraced by our people there. The place itself is not welcoming, is not safe is not embracing. And I don't know if it's because there was a lot of negative there before that we know that this is a place that would never have been safe for us if we had been living there now. I, I don't know. It's just, I don't know. There's places that we've been through and we've seen and and we've been fortunate, and we talked about this yesterday, how lucky we feel that we were able to take this trip. Not many people can take a month off of work and have the time and the money to see the places and do the things that we've done. Well, and then to be able to fly our family out and a fiance out and come join us for part of it, yeah. that, uh, that our kids at 18 to 24 still want to take a week and go live in a travel trailer with mom and dad in BFE, Michigan. Like, it, we're very fortunate in so many regards, we're and we know that. We're very appreciative that we have those opportunities. And we've been places that are absolutely beautiful that we say, oh, I could live here. Yep, I can make this work. None of those places feel like, oh, this could be home. It's, this is a neutral place. This is a beautiful place. It has the things that we look for in a home now. It has nature, it has water, it has open space. It feels protected. But I think maybe if you look deeper than that, it's, it has no familiarity. It has no connection. It has no ties it has no negative there's nothing tied to it that 
pushes it in either direction, positive or negative, that it could be ours on our terms. I don't know if that even like nobody makes nobody sense, knows us here. We don't have a people only know what you want them to know, and and more than anything, people are not right on top of you. That I think is one of the biggest reasons that I need to be out of Arizona. Yeah, I've had enough uh, enough being able to touch my neighbor for five feet. It's claustrophobic doesn't even become or doesn't even come close enough to describing the feeling. It is suffocating to have people literally and figuratively on top of you all the time. It, it never stops. With work and we've got the phone blowing up constantly, all day, every day, even when we're out here, it, it, does, it doesn't stop, which I understand is a good problem to have. That means that we can afford to do things like this, but we never get a break either, even when we're not there. But then when you get done with work and you finally get home for the day, you have to figure out where, where can I even park at my own house? Because there's so many people directly on top of you that the neighbor's kids are having a meltdown in their house, but I can hear it in my own kitchen. It's too much. And I, but the problem is, is with the business, we've been successful and we are fortunate, but we've also painted ourselves into a corner that I, I don't know how or if we can get out of. Yes, there's water wells everywhere, but the niche business that we make our money in, I don't think exists anywhere outside of Southern Arizona. And I don't know how we translate that into a business somewhere else. No, I mean, we, we it's took... Just, when you add all of these things together, it is overwhelming, it is stifling, it causes panic because you feel like you're trapped and you cannot escape. And I understand those of you that are out there and saying, well, I wish I had those fucking problems. I wish that I was making so much money that I couldn't go anywhere and make it somewhere else. You know, I understand people are out of work. People are working poor. We've been those things too. Trust me, I feel you. And I am not out here trying to flex on anybody. I am not trying to belittle those issues because I, I fully understand. I know, I know what that feels like too, because I've been there. We've been literally 15 days from living in our van because yeah, John less, was laid off less than and 10 we years could ago. not make rent and they were going to evict us. We have literally 15 days to figure it out. And I was already making plans for how we were gonna make that work, living in the van. That is not an exaggeration. That is the literal truth. And I'm not out here trying to be, you know, like 
biggie out here, like, more money, more problems. Because that's not true either. Because money solves a lot of problems, and I don't give a fuck who you are. That's the real honest truth. But... Creates its own problems, too. It's also... It's the biggest blessing, and it's a huge-ass curse. So, I'm not... Please don't feel sorry for me. That is not what I am asking you. I'm just trying to tell you, like... There's so much all the time. I don't know. It's I sound like I'm whining, like, oh, poor me. I'm not trying to do that. Wow. I'm just trying to say we need out of Arizona, and I don't know how we could ever make that happen. Well, we used to... This, this isn't a new thing for us. This has honestly been a problem for... Well, it's been an off and on problem for years, but really the past two or three years it became very apparent that we don't want to be there. But in the last almost nine months, I think that's, I've told you guys before that when I get overwhelmed and stressed beyond my limit, I need to go and I don't have a direction, I don't have a destination, I, I, I just walk, and I've walked for hours, and for miles and miles and miles, and look up and not know where I am, and I think that's a lot of what this is, is I, all of this stress had already existed before, and then after losing Leah, and not feeling tethered anywhere, I want to just run, and that's kind of what we're doing on this trip. We were supposed to be back on Tuesday, well, we today is Sunday. To, we were supposed to be back yesterday, but yeah. we extended it to Tuesday, and now we've extended it to next, next Sunday. Sunday. And, and honestly, even that, like, that's another week, and I'm already panicking, thinking, yeah, but in a week I have to go back there. Our four adult kids are there, and I obviously want to be wherever they are, but they've expressed that they don't want to be there either. I just, I don't know. It's a very anxiety and panic-inducing feeling that you feel trapped in a geographical location, and I... We've talked about this too, like, no matter where you are, you bring your problems with you. And that's, that's how it goes. We understand that. No matter where you go, there you are. Life happens everywhere. Bills happens everywhere. Like, I, I get that. But there's something, and I don't know if it's a universal experience for every bereaved parent. But for the ones that we know and the ones that we're close to, it almost is a universal experience that all of us seek out space, literal, physical space. We seek out nature, not always the same kind. Some of us go to the ocean, some of us go to the river or the lake, some of us go to the woods. But all of us look for natural, real places. That's the key word, the operative word. They're real. 
There is no social construct there. There is no responsibility there. There is no bullshit there. You can be what you are in this moment, and nature can hold it, and they can, it can handle it. And everybody, and to add to that, everybody wants out. Yes. Our friends in Georgia want to change careers and leave. Um, Without our, really having a plan for how to do that. Yeah, our, our friends in Portugal are starting new positions and moving to Spain. They're literally leaving the damn country. Yep. We, we want to be anywhere other than where we're at, but... Like, for example, right now we're driving through the Black Hills of South Dakota and I'm at, using a paper map to find my way. And, it, and it's wonderful and shitty at the same time because I look at this place and go, yeah, I could live here. But I just, I, I feel so, I guess it's emotionally disconnected or spiritually disconnected. I just feel disconnected, period, from, I'm just like existing, me. I, I think Nick's the same. Like I'm just, like you literally just breathe and my heart beats and that's. One of our friends said that today, that, that it's up to us as humans to find home within ourselves. Home doesn't exist outside of you. But if you don't know how to find home in yourself because you don't feel even alive in your own body, where do you begin? And that's really what this is. And, and a lot of this soul searching has been happening already. We, we touched on that. It's been happening already. And then with the loss of Leah, it's just exacerbated it. It's, I think it's punctuated it. It's like, I, I, get out now. This is not where you belong. My, it's really... The refrain. My head screams all day. And I don't know where we belong. And I don't, I don't have some idea that if we leave here, if we leave Tucson, that life is better somewhere else. Because no matter where we go, we are grieving parents. We are only ever 80% complete. We... Had Leah cremated because we knew we weren't going to stay there and we couldn't leave her in a cemetery somewhere that we weren't going to be and leave her alone so she can go wherever we go. I just don't know where that is or when. Yeah, I just... this just sound like the, tinnitus I think it's called in your ears where it just screams all day get out you're not safe it's not okay everything's out to get you and, 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 and nobody understands and, and you don't want anybody to understand and just very so yeah, that's the thing is when we talk about space and our friends, our family have given us space to do what we need to do and to come back to them when 
we need them when we can. And that's been amazing. Now we're looking for physical space to be whatever it is that we need to be in the moment. Because you can't stand in your fucking backyard and scream, even though that's all you want to do, especially when your neighbors have a baby that would have been two weeks younger than Leah, and you just... Social constructs tell you that you can't stand outside and scream like a crazy person. You'll have to explain that to somebody, either to the neighbors or to the cops that show up at your house. You just need the space to do that if that's what you need to do. But I think when you look through the layers of it, it's not just physical space that we need, it's mental space for the loop of awful shit that runs through your head constantly and it never stops. I've been awake every night on this trip at 2.53 a.m. and I lay there and it's the same loop all the time. And I don't know how to find mental space to create space in my own head somewhere quiet and safe to live. I don't, I've never had to do that before Leah and I have no idea how to do it now. Yeah, it's, it's, I guess I'm a little different. Like I've, I've been, I've, I don't know, created space or, or learned how to compartmentalize some of it and make make room for the world to still go on around me because it has to. Um, the, the sad, unfortunate nature of life is you don't go to work, you don't make money, you don't eat, you don't have anywhere to live. Yeah. And for me, the reality is who fucking cares? Right. So I have learned how to compartmentalize part of it and be able to function and do things, but but in that it, it's always this intrusiveness to it. Like I can I can feel the outside creeping into my safe spaces, and I can feel the outside creeping into the home I made for Leah, and I can feel the outside creeping into the safety net that I, that we, that Nick and I have for each other and for our marriage. And it's, you always just feel this, just pressure, weight and, and responsibility. And it's fucking exhausting. And, and I don't know. And some days I wonder, yeah, I'm not looking at the map. It wants me to go through rapid. Just some days I wonder if, I wonder if everybody else has that too. And it's just because of what we are going through, not what we went through, but what we're going through. It's just made it like my entire, like it's just an eggshell. It's, 
or stitched together. I don't, I don't know how to word it, but I, I think maybe a lot of people have this just overwhelming pressure all the time, the pressure to, to succeed or to be popular or, or to, to be loved. And, and then this fear of failure. And I don't have a fear of failure in that sense, like that I'm afraid to fail at work or fail at life or whatever. Like I'm, I'm, I'm afraid that I'm going to I'm gonna fail at remembering Leah right. Like I can't, I can't let too much in. Because every time I let a little bit of something in, do I let something out? And it, Nick and I have talked about this. She's our Leah, my Leah, and I don't want to share her. But but I do want to share her because I want other people to know her and to and to know who we are and who she was going to be and and I want that and I want to, and I want people to know who she was but I also don't want to share at the same time and it's, and I if we try to approach these podcasts carefully like I don't want to I don't want to cheapen it and turn it into a poor me session because that's not what it is this is just the stuff that runs around in our head in a constant loop. This is what we live with every day. And, and for me, it's not a loop. I, I think I talked about this, but I don't know. Like I, my mind is almost like when you drink too much, where the world starts to spin and then it recorrects, and then it spins again and recorrects. I, I almost wish I could have a loop, but it's not. I, I all of a sudden snap back into reality and then I wander out again and then I snap back and it's just so fucking jarring like to, to be sitting there and not know how much time has passed and not know if, was I talking? Was somebody talking to me? Like to just be so, so utterly, utterly disconnected. I don't, I don't know if that made sense or not. But you don't want it. No, I... 2.53 a.m. every fucking morning, and I am laying in the bed. Yeah, well, mine's 5.12. the same thing every day. Did we make the right decision? What if she was supposed to live here? She would have been tubed and vented and... She would have been unresponsive, and we went to Mackinac Island, whatever fucking day that was, and I saw a family with a little boy in a wheelchair. He was tubed and vented and unresponsive, and I thought maybe that was what Leah was meant for and did we make the wrong decision? Did we literally starve her to death and let her go? 
And was that the right thing? Did I fuck that up too? Am I never supposed to have another one because I've fucked up too many times that when it mattered this time that I failed her? I don't know. <laughs> Something we're always going to have to live with. I, I live with the thought that I, that I feel like we did the right thing. We feel like we, like we let her go. But the manner that we had to let her go is awful. And Nick's right. We we essentially starved her to death. We let her 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 body shut down because of lack of nutrients. That's to be clear, she she never she had no brain activity, she couldn't suck or swallow, she didn't have any of those basic reflexes. The only way that she could have been fed was TPN, which was basically like an IV. We couldn't even put an NG tube in and feed her that way. It, no, and we when we've said this that if, if there had been if there had been any indication of a positive outcome in whatever way yeah we, we would have if, if she had lived, if she had been able to have lived her entire life in a wheelchair and bedridden and not in pain and that's the thing is I know in my experience with my education, with my nursing background, I know intellectually, I know what that life entails. I know the surgeries and the pain and the no, would have been autonomic dysreflexia. Would have been shunts. All kinds of and drainage, shunts and drainage tubes and hoses and vents and infections, pressure ulcers, and I know, I know that, but when it's your baby, when it's the situation put in front of you, logic and experience and education does not fucking matter. You can't even think of those things in the moment. I know intellectually that we saved her from that. I know that. But it's just the... We've talked about this before, that you live in two brains, the rational and the irrational, and I know that it's the irrational part of me that I self-flagellate, that there's no one and nothing to blame this on, so I'll blame it on me. My therapist says that it's your brain has to make sense of things, even when it's insensible. 
So, if your brain can't find a logical explanation for something, it will invent one. And my, I know that that's not just me, but a lot of bereaved parents that we don't have anything to point at to say it's your fault or it's because of this. So our brain invents a reason and it must be us. I fucked up. It's my fault. I didn't do this right or I did that wrong or I should have done this or I shouldn't have done that or whatever it is. We'll find a way to beat ourselves up, to kick our own ass, even though life does a pretty fucking good job of it. It's just human nature, I guess. But I'm just trying to give you an idea of what it is to live in my head for any period of time. It's not a good place to be. That's partly, like we, you know, obviously we talked about that we were going to Michigan for a reason. We were going to take a birthday present. And it's, and it was great to take it and the present was well received and it's being used and loved, but we were only able to stay for a short while because we can't, you just, you, you, we look at him and we see, we see everything we, we don't see everything we already had. We see everything we don't have. We, we do, we had four kids that were that age and grew up and played and roughhoused and were wise and knows and, and, and now it's just so hard to, to, Imagine what should have been. And honestly, as a part two to the last trip, to the last podcast on this trip, seeing everybody was not as hard as I thought it was going to be. And I kind of anticipated that, that I was building it up to be worse than it would. We were not hope- that it was easy. We were it hoping, was not. We were hoping that we were making it out worse in our head, and I think we were. But it was leaving that was always hard before, and now when they say, you know, when's the next time? I, 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 I don't know. We've all lived through a pandemic that who could have ever imagined that would have happened. We've lived through, we've all had shit. Some of us have had more. I know I, I know I told you Thursday night that I was, that I was sorry that we hadn't been out, that we've been, that we'd wanted to come since maybe March and it just kept putting it off. And it was, we had to be able to be strong enough to survive leaving. And I don't... I still don't know if we are. I think you can hear that in our voices. I don't know if we... Right now, we're still living in that beautiful twilight that vacation can give you that you don't have to deal with real life yet. And I don't know 
I know it's going to be bad when we have to go back to Tucson because it always is. I just don't know how bad it's going to be. Well, and we have... We have nothing on the calendar to look forward to. We have nothing but work and stress in front of us. I have an asshole customer that I have to deal with legally. I have number four had a vehicle incident that we have to deal with. I have... Sounds like I'm whining, but I have almost 200 grand of work on the books to deal with, and it's to the Which point. Which again is a good problem, and we appreciate that we yes. can go to work and. But not that we make two hundred thousand dollars. No, that no, no, it. no, nowhere near, nowhere near that. If we did, I wouldn't be. We, we would, we, I'd, I'd save I'd it for retirement in the yeah, bank, and we'd be done. I'd save it for three years, and we'd be out. But no, it's just. The stuff that we've got stacked up and left and all this bigger money projects, they're all very dependent on me. I physically have to be there to do, not the majority of them at all, but the design and the, design and the final hookups is, and I'm not locked in. Um, I No, that was the thing on our Zoom call today is we've kind of created our own little support group and we were just going around and checking in with each other and check in like how you feel physically, mentally, and emotionally. And mentally, we're dropped the fuck out. Like, we're doing everything we can to do as much as we have to and no more. Because honestly, when we were on our way to Michigan. It was psyching ourselves up, I guess you would say, to be able to interact with people that we know love us, but there was the most riding on those interactions. We literally no more than got there. Like, literally. About five minutes. John was still unhooking the trailer when Four called and said he was in a car accident and wrecked his car and, oh my God, it was my undoing. I, I had no more. That was more than I could do. And I came apart and spiraled. I thank God he is okay. But everything that comes after that seems so fucking big and overwhelming and I don't know what we're going to do and I don't know what it, the implications are for everything else that we're trying to do and I just, I know that I'm spinning it out and I, I'm trying not to, but that's where really Nick's hard. Go, where Nick's going with that is Arizona's a fault state. So depending on the police report, we could end up being at fault. It doesn't sound like we are. It sounds like the person made a U-turn in front of him. But we still don't have a police report, and so we, we don't know. And, and evidently, we're not going to have it for like four more weeks for whatever reason. But he, a commercial tow truck whipped a U-turn in front of him and he hit him. And if it's a fault state and the insurance decides to fight us on it and we could be on the hook for 
a hundred grand. Like I, I mean, a humongous number. And I don't have a hundred grand to start with, but we have places that we need money to go. If we're going to pursue pregnancy or pursue adoption or pursue another baby in any form, it's going to take a significant financial investment. I'm not getting into dollars because it's nobody's damn business, but let's just say significant. And and that's what we both spiraled about is that we just don't know what this means. And we got enough goddamn unknown right now. The last thing we needed was another big ass unknown. And it's, and he's just a kid and he was just driving home from work and But it's not without its issues. And it's, I'm, I'm furious that it happened, but I am so grateful that he wasn't hurt. It's, the kid's been in two major accidents in three years and has walked away with two seatbelt bruises, a, a minor airbag abrasion on the eyebrow, and a tiny cut on his wrist from two from one head-on collision and one rollover. So if anybody's looking for a 2015 Scion, they're apparently a quality yeah. vehicle. Yeah, recommend, 10 out of 10. Yeah. Wrecked one, bought another, wrecked another. And I, there will not be a third, so, yeah. It, yeah it, his third's gonna be a $800, 1995 Ford Ranger, yeah, two well, passenger shit box. Be, I'm not buying a third. Buys with his own money. There will be no third vehicle, but just right now, not knowing, and that's why yes. I think we keep spinning this trip out longer, is all of those things are there waiting, and I don't want to deal with any of it. I don't want to think about it. I don't want to... fucking customer that I have to... Hey. Literally I psychotic. Yeah, supposed to be a counselor on top of it. Yeah, so a that's, grief counselor of all things. Yeah, so that's pretty scary. Oh, nice reservoir. But yeah, I don't, I can't get into the details because it's legal, obviously. But essentially, the person was out of water, and I told them that we couldn't get there for about ten days. This was on day three of our trip. Shit, day three it was day two. Saturday, day three. I don't know. We were in Colorado, so whatever. Fun story. We had a huge storm in Tucson the day after we left. And I have, the guys are still working on people that were out of water from that. I have people that have been out of water two weeks that we're trying to get back in. They've had water because they had city water or they got water delivered. So it's not like yeah. we left people with no water for two weeks. No, we patched shit together and put in used parts and duct taped. <laughs> not literally, but almost. And, and you've been able to just run one job to the next. And, but this person just lost their damn mind and sent me about 40 text messages, all getting worse and worse and worse and more random more and ugly. More threatening and, and threatening. Just... And the, the last one, the last one she brought up, Leah, and that she was somebody's daughter too. And that was the end of it for me. And I, I filed an injunction of harassment. But I've got to deal with some legal paperwork when we get back. And 
I'm not at fault. I'm, I'm a private entity. If I choose to not come to your house and fix your problem, that's sorry. Which your problem. What happened? She called us on a Saturday. We did. Our guys were already busy with like ten jobs in front of her. She was basically having a temper tantrum. She has city water. She has water, so it wasn't like she was completely out of anything. And but she is the kind of person that demands to be the priority in everything. Yeah, and I'm. I'm not the fucking help. No. And I'm the professional told, you call when you don't know what to do. She was told that our guys wouldn't be able to get there that day. And she lost her mind saying that that John needed to get there now. Now, 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 now. And no wasn't an option. And just, it was literally insane. And Probably. in some ways, I do feel bad for her that she has some underlying mental illness. But I feel worse for if she has clients that are paying her to help them with their mental health. <laughs> but it got to the point... You're not going to threaten me. You're not going to threaten my family. You're not going to threaten my business. And you're sure as fuck going to keep my daughter's name out of your mouth. And it went way too far. And so now it's being dealt with in the court. This may be the, it may be the ugliest conversation I've ever had with anyone ever. And it wasn't I even a conversation. It was one one side. Yeah, I, I sent two very polite texts and then they just kept running in and and this is the craziest, most outside the box in, in the last couple of texts were the evilest shit anybody's ever said to me. And I haven't even talked to my own father in over five years. <laughs> and, and this was the worst stuff anybody's ever said to me. I, I just... So bad, in fact, that when we filed the injunction, they let us talk to a judge via Zoom. We were on the side of the road. Um, they said, we need to get this in front of a judge. Give me 10 minutes. And a judge got on a Zoom call, went through it, took about 15 minutes, and he said, yeah, we're going to go ahead and file this. Um, and we're not even going to charge you the filing fee because he was so outraged by what she had said. Yeah, and, if, and if, if she tries to fight the injunction, normally I would only have 10 days to respond, but would be noted in my file that I was out of town until X date and that everything would be put on hold until I return and it would go to his court, his court only. The judge was furious. Just. Which was nice, honestly, that after this tirade that went on for two days and we were dealing with on our own, on top of all the anxiety and stress that we have every day and on top of the anxiety and stress of going back to see people that we haven't seen in two years and everything that went along with it that this stupidity happened it was nice to be validated for someone to say wow that is fucked up and that is not okay and we're going to take care of it for you and i actually wasn't ignoring her either i was 100% 100% in the mountains in Colorado, in Oray, Colorado, driving with no cell service for hours, and then out, cell service would come back, and I'd have 15 more texts. Just, and eight more three-minute long voicemail. Yeah, I, just 
I delete the voicemails because it filled my inbox to where I couldn't do business. It, sanity. Anyways, enough of that fucking bitch. I, I'd love to say her name, but I'm not going to, obviously. No, it doesn't matter, but it was nice that it's been the only time in the last nine months when you are, prior to all of this, prior to losing Leah, we were the fixers. We sorted out shit, we handled our own shit and everybody else's. We fucking did that. It was nice when we had reached the end of our fucking rope and didn't know what else to do for somebody to say, no, this is too much and you don't have to deal with this. I'm going to take care of it. I got I got this bullshit and I got it. Yeah, that was... Oh, oh my God. I can't even describe to you the weight that was lifted. That somebody else recognized the stupidity and the vileness and said this isn't for you you don't have to do this I've never been able to reach out and for help like that and have someone reach back and say I got you it was awesome truthfully and then and then the ups and downs of our lives two hours later is when four calls about his car yeah. but Two days later, I was able to call a, a, another friend, almost family, maybe family, and have him help get Forrest's car out of the middle of the street, basically, and into a storage and get another vehicle running for him so he could still try to go to work and just put their whole day aside to come and solve problems for me because I couldn't do it. It's, I, I, we, we talk about that we said we don't feel like we have a home, but we have people. Yes, that is the thing that we have found over and over and over, is we have a community. And, we that, have and that's a in Michigan and, and in family. Arizona. It's not just, sorry, I mean to yeah. cut you off, but it's not just, it's not, we, we've, We've surrounded ourselves with not a lot of people, with the people we have. Well, and it wasn't intentional. We weren't building a family. These are just our people. And it ended up, we built a safety net, a community of family. He's texting right now too, but. That could be there for us when we've needed them most. It wasn't intentional. There was no thought behind that. Like, oh, I might need these people someday. No. I truly believe that was God putting things in motion ahead of time. He's the one that says, his, his famous line he always uses is, if you put good out into the world, good will find you in return. And that is definitely who he is for us and I think we are for him because we've been able to find good in each other I don't know if we're getting off track I don't know if we have a track I, no. 
we don't have we saw, we, don't, we, don't, we don't have a goal with these it's really just us you know it's, part of these podcasts are honestly are are Nick and I talking to each other without actually talking to each other we're both just not that we don't talk to each other all day every day we no, do but it, it's like this Ugh. the weird inside out of our brain oh it's the dipshit shop oh sorry trump shop I mean dipshit shop Sorry. It's like the third one I've seen. Yeah, this con- this country's beautiful here, but it's a little too red for me. Um, like, like about seventy percent too red. Sorry, talking about adrenaline. Just makes me throw up in my mouth a little. But we do have very good friends and family that are Trumpers, so whatever. Have your store. I don't care. Just don't shove it up my face. So. It's fine. Do you? Just don't step on me when you're doing it. So, we talked about that we're in South Dakota and we're making our way. We were making our way southwest, but we took back uh, northwest at this point now. And I didn't realize how close to my brother we are. So when we rerouted the trip and we were looking at the map, we saw that we're only going to be we were only, we were like, like three hours, one hundred and eight miles. Yeah, which out here takes three hours. Yeah. Um, and so we texted him, and he's taking today off, and gonna hang out with him and my nieces, maybe my nephew. I don't know. Yeah, he's I don't know. At work. the nieces for sure. Uh, our nieces for sure. And catch up with them for a little bit. Trying to get there by like noon or so and be able to spend 10 or 12 hours together and just sit around and probably have a campfire tonight if it's not blowing 500 miles an hour in Gillette. And hoping for a nice, a nice night. Um, missed our third week of church in a row feeling a little disconnected on that right now. Very. Um, That's another thing that I don't know if it's universal, but for all of us that brief parents that we know, routine is a priority. Paramount. Yeah. That you, we have no idea what life is going to throw at us in a day. So if we can, control anything even if it's just that i'm going to eat breakfast at eight and i'm going to eat lunch at 12 then you feel like you're in control of something when everything else is completely out of your control you depend on that and for us support groups and church on sunday that has been our routine and yeah. we've been out of that for a while, and three, three it's weeks. created its own stress and anxiety. That not only do we not have the space, like support group, to talk about the things that we need to talk about, or hear other people talking about things that we're like, yeah, oh my god, me too. We haven't had that in a month. We haven't had church which is our extended family 
that they have been there for us in amazing ways. And to get the message that we need every week, that has thrown us completely off. That's been, this trip has been really good, but there have been stresses created by the trip itself. It's just, it's constantly balancing what's the least worst right now. And the least worst right now is missing our routine, missing our safe spaces in return for nature and for not dealing with reality because those safe places and those safe spaces and those safe people can't save us from the big, ugly, awful fucking realities that are waiting for us there. But we've set up other routines. We have the trailer set up and tore down in a half an hour and only go 100 miles without getting gas. And Marcel has his routine. Yeah, he takes a nap in the morning in the back seat, and then after we eat lunch, then he gets up in the front seat and climbs in my lap and takes his afternoon nap. And, <laughs> yeah, it's... And we've ruined him now. He's officially a camping dog that eats nothing but garbage driving down the road. Yeah, driving down the road, he wants to eat people food. When we're in the trailer, yeah, he doesn't get that much, not enough to be full, but... If you've never fed your dog Skittles, I highly suggest smashing one and giving it to him because it's pretty it's freaking pretty hilarious. It's pretty hilarious. But he does eat dog food, so for everybody that's out there worried about my little puppy, he's he's fine. His collar's loose. He's not getting fat. No, he's not losing weight. He's he's fine. He eats his dog food. Once we get set up, he'll usually power through three quarters of his bowl of dog food right then and then he'll have a little bit more before he goes to bed so he's still getting all of the dog food that he needs so he's still getting all of his vitamins and all of his good stuff he's just getting extra treats when we're in the car figured out how to jump up the footstool of the dinette onto the couch of the dinette and then over the arm rail into the into the couch until he does zoomies and falls off which he did last last night he goes barrel rolling into the screen door barking at him, so, yeah. He's going to play with Nick's brother today. Nick's brother is a dog dork. Um, it's going to be pretty fun to watch them go hog oh, today. He's going to get extra, though, so. He's going to be all wound up today. Marcel, too. Yeah. yeah. Anyways, so we don't. We don't have an agenda with these. We try to keep them. We love that you. We love that you listen. But I'm sad that you have to or want to. Maybe I don't know how to word that either. Ooh, had problems. Um, but probably gonna cut this off. We try to keep everybody. Try to keep them at an hour. And before we do leave, like, I want to thank all of you that listened to the one before this, before we got to Michigan, that you were trying to 
get our perspective and understand what we were going to need from you because you all did an amazing job. Not that I had any doubt that you wouldn't. Not that I ever questioned your ability to be there for us. That isn't it. But you went like above and beyond to listen to it and to try and see from our perspective how this felt. And you did everything you could to make it a soft landing. And I I can't thank you guys enough for that. Yeah, Nick and I, we, we like to think of ourselves as loyal family and loyal friends to the people that deserve loyalty. And we try to treat everyone in the right light as they should be. And it, it was to know that we're held in that same high regard um, is pretty... <laughs> It's pretty overwhelming, um, and to know that you guys are listening and that you and that you care. Yeah, and that you're, you're there. not just listening; you're hearing. You're it. hearing. Yeah. It's it takes the trip. This trip back there could not have been successful without equal preparation and honesty on both sides. It, it needed to be said. Really, yeah. we we felt love. We feel love. We've always felt we've always felt love, but it was nice to to feel it in person again. Anyways, I think that's it. We're um, just outside of Deadwood, South Dakota, and. I've hit that 100 mile mark here where it's time to get some gas. So we'll um, we'll try to keep it shiny side up for another week. And um, I have a feeling there'll probably be another one of these next Saturday night from Flagstaff from the Kit Carson RV Resort before we drive down the mountain into the valley and into the ugly reality of life again. As always, thanks for listening.